Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. If you guys don't know, my name is Taylor Lyon. That's my wife, Abishai. And um, man, we would love to get to know you. There's so many new people that have joined, and it's just awesome to see all these faces that I don't know yet. And, um, you know, if you haven't got to meet my wife yet, she is amazing. That's why I married her. Um, And you want to do that because she's awesome, but that's why she's been gone. So hopefully she'll be able to stay for the message, but this is his nap time, and he gets super grumpy and lets you know when he wants to go to sleep. So we'll see see how that goes. Um, So welcome to Kaya. It's good to have you here. I am not the pastor. Uh, Pastor Brandon is at, this is really echoey, Pastor Brandon is at the, Mark Trotter's funeral, and so he asked if I would step in for him, and it's, man, it's a great honor and opportunity to get to do that. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be, well, you should probably turn to Numbers chapter 3. That's where we'll spend a bulk of the time today. Our passage actually comes from Deuteronomy 18. This is where I was asked to preach from, and if you haven't been reading through Deuteronomy, if you haven't been following along, Um, and you're like me and don't know the context, I'll give you just a quick synopsis. So before Deuteronomy, you had the children of Israel, the Israelites. They were in in Egypt, and they were slaves. They were in bondage, and these are God's people, and they cry out to the Lord to deliver them, and, and he answers in this mighty, miraculous way. And his desire was not just to take them out of the bondage, out of the slavery that they were in, but to bring them into the land that he had promised them so that he could have a greater relationship with them, so that they would be free to get to know him and to worship him. And so he does that. He brings them out, and as he's bringing them in, everything's going good. The beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 1, you know, Moses says, okay, here's the land. We're going to go move forward, and they send out some spies to see how can we best take it. And then as, as they do, the spies come back, and they say, yes, this land is amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's full of good fruit. But there are some giants in the land, and there's no way that we could do this. There's no possible way. And they're correct in their flesh. There was no way, but they had already forgotten what God had done. And so because of their fear, they decide to disobey God. Their fear hinders them from moving forward in faith, and the end result of that is the first four chapters of Deuteronomy. They just wander around in the wilderness. And that ends up taking 40 years. It's 40 years wasted that they could have been following God. And so then... Because, you know, sex is a thing. You've got a new generation of people, because it's been 40 years. And so you've got a whole new generation. So you've got chapters 5 through 11. The new generation is being taught the law. They are being taught what the old generation should have been following in the first place and how they can move forward. And then you get to chapters 12 through 30, and that's where they really learn the terms for dwelling in the land. How, you know, who's going to get what? How, what position are we going to have? What are we going to do? What does that look like? That's the last section, and Deuteronomy 18 is right there in the middle of that. And so that's where we're going to be picking up today, uh, but I need to pray before we do that. So I'm going to take just a minute, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, I, uh, man, I thank you for this message that uh, Pastor Morgan just preached. I'm still cut and thinking about what you shared with us this morning. And Lord, I ask that, um, God, you would help us 
to live in the identity that you have given us. God, that you would help us to see what you have from your word today uh, in this message as we get through Numbers and Deuteronomy and that uh, you would speak to and meet with each and every one of us here. Lord, if there is anyone that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, then God, I ask that today would be the day of salvation. And so please set me aside, speak through me. I'm so thankful for 1 Corinthians because it tells us you use weak things and I am qualified. So... God, please have your way in this place today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get into the word, since Eric is here, happy birthday, Eric. I love you, brother. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, we are going to just read verses 1 and 2, because we probably won't get any farther along than that. So, Deuteronomy 18, verse 1 says, The priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he hath said unto them. And so, I, you know, at first when I read this, um, Normally when I get asked to preach an FOI or something, it's out of a devotional time that whatever God's been showing me. And so when I got asked to preach out of Deuteronomy 18, I first read this and I'm like, man, these guys are like modern day pastors. What am I, how, how am I supposed to take this? Like I'm the priests and Levites and like, what, what is going on here? And I, I wasn't really sure. And so if you're thinking that like, hey, I have no idea what's going on or how does this apply to me? Don't check out. I promise whether you've been following the Lord for a long time or this is your first time hearing the Bible, God has something for you here because when his word is open, he meets with his people. And so please, uh, you know, pay attention, dive in. So we are just going to break this down piece by piece. And it starts off, chapter 18 starts off with the priests, the Levites. And so it tells us that these group of people, the Levites, were priests. And so my first question, since I hadn't been reading through Deuteronomy, is how did we get here? You know, how did the Levites become the priests? What does it mean to be a priest? What does that look like? Why, why is God defining that for us? And so to answer that question, we have to go back to Numbers chapter 3. So we're going to read Numbers chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through mm, 6 or 7-ish. It says, These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the priests which were anointed, whom he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. And Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. And Eleazar and Ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the sight of Aaron, their father. I'm going to stop there for a second. So Aaron's, Aaron's the head priest, right? And he's, he's got two sons who he anoints to be priests. He's supposed to be discipling them, training them up, but instead of following what God has commanded them to do, just like the other children of Israel, they decide to do what's right in their own eyes, and rather than worshiping the Lord, they're like, hey, we're going to serve him in our own way, and they offer strange fire before God. And the end result of that is it costs them their lives. Their disobedience in this position, in this role that God has given them, costs them greatly, and it costs Aaron greatly. And so the Lord... He said, hey, I'm, I'm going to change things up. Before, it was going to be the firstborn sons, but now we're completely flipping the script, and now I'm going to give uh, the Levites to become the priests. And so that's where we'll pick it up in verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, 
saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron, the priest, that they may minister unto him. And they shall keep his charge and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about the children of Israel. We don't have exact numbers, but the Bible does tell us that just the men of the children of Israel that were 20 years and up when they, when they were in, in the initial part of the Exodus was 600,000. Now, that doesn't count all the men that were younger than 20. It doesn't count their wives, the children. So just the men that were capable to be in the army is 600,000 people. So if you think about it, the estimates that I've been able to find are roughly two and a half million people is what is moving through the wilderness. And the Levites, we don't know the exact number for them either because what was numbered was only the males that were one month old and up. But the males that were numbered were 22,000. So that's roughly 1% of the total population was ordained to become a priest. And the reason that I share this is because, man, it is such a great honor to be a priest and a king before the Lord. So today we have the Bible and we have prayer and we, like, we can come to God on our own, but before that wasn't the case. The only way that you could be able to go to the tabernacle was if you were ordained as a priest or if you were coming to a priest who would then bring you. Like, man, there was all this, but to get close to the presence of the Lord, to be able to serve in his ministry, it's such an incredible honor. And it, it's crazy to me that, you know, I think about the verse in scripture that talks about how the laborers are few. The harvest is white, but the laborers are few. And, and then I read a passage like this, and I see that God can use only 1%, a willing 1% of his population. And that's counting one month old and up. Like, I have a three-month-old baby. He's not helping in the service of the ministry. <laughs> he is distracting through and through. But God can use a tiny people to lead a great nation. And so it's just... Man, it's so awesome and encouraging for me. Um, and I say all that to say the reason that I'm bringing us to this is because God has made us priests and kings. And I'm, I'm going to cover that. We'll look at the verses in a minute. But we have that same honor today to be able to know and serve the Lord, to be a part of his ministry, to be used by him as a weak people. And so I was, I was getting some downtime, I don't know, in the last... Somewhere in the last couple of weeks, my wife and I uh, watched a really cheesy Disney movie from our childhood. So if you can turn to the next slide. Uh, does anybody, oh, sorry. Can you go to the one that has the Princess Diaries picture? Oh, please tell me that shows up. That's such a bummer if it doesn't. Okay, well, the Princess Diaries is this movie about a girl named Mia, right? And she's living in California, and she's living her life just as a normal teenager. And she's going along through life, and she is, like, nerdy and unkempt and not popular. She has a couple of friends. Yes. Okay, so Mia's on the left. 
So this is, this is what she looks like. And she's, she's an artist. Her mom's an artist. And uh, it just, at that time, wasn't Kaya, so it wasn't cool to be an artist where she was. <laughs> but she's just your average person, right? So she's going through life. And then all of a sudden, this grandma that she had never met comes into the picture. Oh, I love you too, son. Uh, so the grandma comes into the picture, and she shows up one day. And she says, hey, you're actually a princess, if you want to be. You know, you have an offer to become royalty because by blood, you are the princess of this made-up country of Genovia. <laughs> but it's only yours if you want it. And it's going to change your life. And things are going to be different. And it's going to look different because living as royalty is not the same as living on your own. And, and so she's, she's weighing it and she's considering it and a lot of things happen that we don't have time to talk about because this isn't a Disney show. But she ends up deciding, hey, okay, yeah, I, I'm going to move forward and I am going to become the princess of Genovia. And so the first thing they have to do is she's got to get a new look and this is what the end result of that is because I guess princesses have a certain way to look in the Disney universe. But all that to say... You know, the movie progresses, and she learns how to talk, how to walk, how to treat people, how to think, how to handle situations that, that come up. And her whole life, yeah, the circumstances around her life are different, sure. The place that she's in is different, but what really changes is her heart. And it's awesome to see because at the beginning of this, she was only interested in what she cared about. She was only focused on herself, and every decision was based on her desire of her flesh. But then at the end of it, she's only cared about what is the best for the kingdom that she is a part of. And man, just, just like Mia Thermopolis from Princess Diaries, we too are a part. We're able to be royalty. Like that's what God has made us. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's made you a priest and a king before God. We are part of the royal family. But that looks like, now it didn't happen immediately, but over time, she immediately became royalty, but her life changed over time. And so just like that, as we become priests and kings, as we grow closer to the one who saved us, man, our heart and our lives should change. And so, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go ahead and, and read that verse in Revelation. I thought about whether or not we should, but I want you guys to see it for yourself. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. I'm sorry I don't have it on the slides. Um, We'll read verses 5 and 6 here. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and forever and ever, sorry, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So at the beginning of verse 6, Jesus Christ is the one that made us priests and kings. So that is his standing. You know, Kenny, if you were in the last service, just preached on knowing your identity in Christ and living out your identity in Christ. And so if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your identity. This is what Jesus Christ says that you are. This is who Jesus says that you are. So are you living? Man, are, are you living as royalty? Are you living as a priest and a king, an ambassador for God? Or not? Are you living in light of your reality? 1 Peter chapter 2, if you can turn to that slide, please. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I, I want you to see this here. It doesn't just end with us being chosen in royalty. There is a purpose for it. And that brings us to our first key point. And our first key point, I, I'm a simple guy, so these messages, these points are going to be simple. We were saved for a purpose. It's not just for us. You know, Andrew, I'm in the Friends of International's ministry, and so I spent a lot of time with Pastor Andrew Ong over the years, and every time when someone gets saved, you know, I've heard this question probably a hundred times from new believers. They're like, hey, why didn't I, why doesn't God just take us right when we get saved? And it's because we have a purpose here on earth. You know, at the end of verse 9, uh, in First Peter chapter 2, it says, you know, all of these things, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so the question is, does your life reflect the purpose of God? Are you, is your life showing praises? Like, are you, are you an ambassador or not? I don't know if he's going to come, but one of my neighbors... Uh, I've only had brief interactions with. We live in this apartment complex where there's like no community, like no communal areas, no anything. And so the only time I get to really see my neighbors uh, is in the parking lot. And I actually did camp out there a little bit just to talk to some, but whatever. So I met one of my neighbors and he likes cars and so that's how we got to talking. But um, I had invited him to church and he wasn't interested and then I invited him to like the walking taco or the street taco thing that we had and he wasn't really interested and I just, our Bible study has been praying for him uh, for months now and it was really cool because last week he saw me in the parking lot and he's like, hey, I, uh, what church do you go to? He like intentionally stopped and made sure to come and talk to me. He's like, I, I'm going through some stuff and I promised God that uh, if I saw you again, I would ask. And so please, I'm not going to tell you his name just in case he comes. I doubt he's going to listen to this. But in case he comes and is embarrassed, uh, but just be praying for you know, our neighbors, if you would, uh, because God is doing a work in his life. And the only reason that we had that conversation is because, like, man, I was overjoyed and just wanted to share what God was doing in my life and how God was providing for us, and that led to a bunch of conversations. And um, Anyway, so does your life look like that? You know, like, this is something God is working on my heart. Praise is something that, um, living a life of praise is something God's been doing a work in my heart for, for months. And I'm not perfect by any stretch. Um, but anyway, does your life reflect that? And now, you know, I want to move on because we, we, aren't just, we aren't just priests with a purpose. Um, but like the Levites, we have a place and God's ministry. We have a part to play. God gives us roles. And so I'd like you to look back at, at Numbers chapter 3 again. Uh, and we're just going to look at a few verses here. So the, the children of Israel, right, this is 2 point something million group of people. The Levites are 22,000 of that, which is still a pretty big number, but they're broken up into different families. And each family that God ordained, so God said, hey, everyone that's going to be, everyone that's a Levite gets to be a priest. But he gave each family specific roles. And so if you look at verses 25 and 26, it says, In the charge of the sons of Gershon, in the tabernacle of the congregation, shall be the tabernacle and the tent 
the covering thereof, and the hanging for the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the hangings of the court, and the curtain for the door of the court, which is by the tabernacle, and by the altar round about, and the cords of it for all the service thereof. And then if you go down to verse 31, uh, this is talking about the family of Kohath, and it says, In their charge shall be the ark, and the table, and the candlestick, and the altars, and the vessels of the sanctuary, wherewith they minister, and the hanging, and all the service thereof. And then in verses 36 and 37, it says, And under the custody and the charge of the sons of Merari shall be the boards of the tabernacle, and the bars thereof, and the pillars, and the sockets, and the vessels, and all that service thereto, and the pillars of the courts round about, and their sockets, and their pins, and their cords. And we don't have time to dig into what each of these things mean, but what I want you to see is that each person had a specific part to play. You know, God is, was very specific about how the tabernacle was to be laid out. And the, the service of the ministry takes many hands because there are many things to be done, but God gave each and every person a part. I really wanted to find a, a good picture of like a puzzle with a missing piece to illustrate this. But if you're here today, God has a part for you in his ministry. It starts with salvation. It starts with you getting saved, with receiving the Lord as your personal Savior, because only then are you able to become a priest. Only then are you able to be a part of, this, of the ministry. But then once you do, God has a part for you. And so the question on the floor is, do you know your place? Do you know where you are to serve? Um, what is your place in ministry? And that was actually our second key point. I might have missed that. Sorry, guys. But yeah, key point number two, God has a specific place for every person in his ministry. So I've actually had this, this conversation, the same one, twice uh, in the last week with a couple of different people, and the conversation basically went, hey, I want to serve. Where do you think I should serve? And the answer was different for each person, but it started off with, have you prayed about where God has you? You know, have, have you prayed about it yet? Have you thought about where the Lord has you? Because I, I can't make a recommendation. One of them is like trying out different fellowships and different Bible studies. And, you know, I love this person dearly, but like, I can't recommend they serve in one area if every three weeks they're going to be somewhere else. Like, man, we're supposed to train up faithful men. And if you're, I mean, if you're not faithful, like how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to help you here? And the other one was just a general curiosity, but he had never thought to pray about it. And so if you want to flip over to the Vietnam slide, um, three years ago, I, I went to Vietnam for the first time. And and this was our, our crew. I'm behind the camera. Not everybody's here. But basically, Andrew Best is behind the Frisbee. This was our crew in Vietnam. And this trip was awesome. Um, it was amazing. God had softened the hearts of the Vietnamese people, and he opened a door for us to go and to preach the gospel. And people were receptive and open to hearing about it. And like, you could see that God was moving so mightily. And I was super excited, and I wanted to be a part. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go to Vietnam. And God is like, no. Mm, nope. And I prayed about it. And I asked the Lord. And he was abundantly clear that the answer was no. 
from his word, from the burden of my heart, from you know, multitude of counselors, it was a hard no. And that sucked for me personally, but it was really hard. And the reason that it sucked is because what I wanted, I wasn't getting. It was all about I, me. And I, I wasn't praying and asking the Lord, where do you have me? And I, I'm ashamed to say I've been here for six years and this was three years ago, and I had never truly asked the Lord to show me what field I am to be wholeheartedly in. And so because of that, I was willing to serve wherever, but I had never bought a field. I was never all in. I was kind of in, and like in my free time, I was willing to give whatever I had. But I was never all in. I had never bought a field. And so the question, so I, okay, so fast forward a couple of months of bitterness, um, God brought me to the realization that wherever he has you, wherever God has you is the best place to be. I don't want to be anywhere that God does not have me. And that's physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever. I only want to be where God has for me because he knows better than me. And he wants what's best for me. I love my son dearly and I want what's best for him. And what's best for him is not what he wants most of the time. Like when he's hungry, okay, sure. You got to eat. But when he wants to stay up past his bedtime, that's not good for you. You need sleep because that is how you rest and it's how we rest. And it's how you grow. But he doesn't want any part of that. He hates going to bed at a set time. So did I. But it's what's best for us. And once I learned that lesson, those were a hard two months because I was in my flesh. And I wasn't willing to surrender to the Lord. But once I learned that lesson... God made it clear, you're not going to Vietnam. And so I was like, okay, well, where do you have me? And the answer was here. I have you here, Taylor. I have you in FOI. I have you in Kansas City. I have you in this ministry. So buy the field, own it. And so for the next 10 months, that's exactly what I did. I was all in. And I told Andrew, okay, I'm not going. Awesome, the Lord is clear, but I'm gonna buy the field. I'm, all my eggs are in this basket. And so that's all I focused on. And it was like one of the best years I've ever had in ministry. It was so good and so sweet because I knew where God has me. You know, when, when you're in a situation that you didn't pray about, like you made a decision, whether it's you know, dating or buying a car or going on a trip or whatever, just pick something. When you're in a situation that you didn't pray about first and you don't, like you just decided to do it, and then the storm comes, you don't really know, is this the Lord that's doing this? Or is this Satan pushing back? Because you never knew that you were supposed to be there in the first place. But if you buy a field, if you've prayed through it and God has shown you from his word, from the burden of the Holy Spirit, from the multitude of counselors, if you know where you're supposed to be, it doesn't matter what comes at you because you are rooted where God has you and you're going to stand because you know God will deliver you. And so following that, Andrew asked uh, me to go the next year on the Vietnam trip. And we weren't planning on going. We were going to go to Pakistan. And uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll pray about it. And I actually ended up did praying about it. And God moved in a mighty way and made it abundantly clear that we were, gonna, we were supposed to go on this trip. And so I told him right at the beginning, I'm here just to be a servant. I'm here to help whatever whatever we can do to help facilitate the ministry that you guys are doing, like I'm all in to enable you guys to minister freely because I know that this is the burden that God has put on your heart and we just want to help with that. And 
the first time that I went to Vietnam, what I was excited about was that God was moving, that people had an open heart, that the country was cool. I actually hated some of the culture. I hated the language. The food is amazing. But when the culture and the country hasn't been set up on the Bible, it kind of sucks. And so I, I didn't love the people at all the first time. I just loved that God was doing something. Guys, God is moving all over the world. He's moving in Kansas City. He's moving in every place because he desires that none would perish and that all would be saved. The second time when I went, I had learned this lesson at the beginning. So I spent like six months before that trip because uh, this is one of the things that Andrew would actually give me a lot of heads up on. I spent like, I don't know, maybe it was four. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But four to six months praying and asking that the Lord would give me a heart. for the Vietnamese people. Um, and he's so faithfully answered. Um, we got there, and uh, it was like coming home. I'm looking out on the balcony. Uh, I probably should have put this picture up. But I'm looking out on the balcony. As far as I can see, uh, there's just buildings everywhere. We were on like the 23rd, 24th floor. And I was like, God, how, how are we going to reach these people? Like, all of Midtown could come, and we, we can't do it. And he's like, no, you can't. But I reached the world, and I, I did it through discipleship. And that's how we're going to do it. We're just going to do the same thing here that we're doing there. And I was like, okay, I know you said no the first time. And so I'm just praying, like, I don't know if there's a burden on my heart or what. So would you clarify it through the word, through the spirit, through the body? Would you confirm that over time? But I'm willing. Here I am. Send me. And we got to lead some people to Christ. That was, you know, that was when Nam came to Christ. And got to spend time with Wang On. And it was an awesome trip. Um, and uh, I got, you know, I got my answer. I, I told Andrew, and he's like, don't tell your wife. Don't tell your wife this is what God's doing. He's like, instead, I just want you to pray and keep reading the word and keep journaling what God is showing you. And if it lasts over time, then we'll talk about it. And then you should share with your wife and include her in to pray. But he's like, you don't want to throw her like in the midst of the sea of your emotions. Let's make sure this is an emotional high. Let's make sure God's in it. And so we move forward and, you know, I talked to my wife and we prayed through it, and, and God confirmed through the word and the spirit and the body, and we started preparing to go. And we're prayerfully trusting the Lord to be in Vietnam, you know, hopefully by Christmas. That's what we're hoping for. Don't know if it'll happen. God has his own timeline. And if it's never, that's okay, because wherever God has us, that's where I want to be. Um, do you know where God has you? <sighs> okay, I'm losing it. Let's go back. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let's keep moving. So that's the priests. Um, there's your foundation. Gosh. I've been sitting under Brandon's preaching too long. Getting weepy. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 says, The priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he hath said unto them. And this is, at first when I read this, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> like, 
you know, when we went through Joshua as FOI, as Fringes Internationals, we went through Joshua, and Andrew was like, imagine, it's really boring when you read through it, but imagine this is you, and like, you get the plaza, and you get North KC, and you, I'm like, we get nothing? I'm like, really? No, we get everything. We get the Lord. And it's so good. Guys, we get to be in the presence of the Lord, and we don't have time to cover, um, we don't have time to ver- cover verses 3 through 5 of Deuteronomy 18, but man, I really recommend you, you dive into that. Um, I thought about putting a picture of Trepes, which is like, well, you can look up what that is, but it's a li- really delicious street taco, and I thought about putting a picture of that on the screen, but because that's, what, that's one of the things that you know, the, the priests get uh, from the Lord, but whatever. They don't get that. So the Lord is, is their inheritance. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like? And I started studying this out. And it's so simple. Because, guys, what, what you get when you get saved, what you realize is that, or what you should realize from God's word, is that your life is no longer about what you can build in the flesh. So that inheritance that God had for them is awesome. Like, everybody gets a piece of land. That's cool. What do you do on your land? Whatever you want. You build your kingdom. Like, you build what's best for you. But once you get saved, your life isn't about what you can build in the flesh. You know, we're commanded, if you were in last service, we're commanded to set our affections on things above. We're commanded to focus on the kingdom. We want to be like Mia Thermopolis. It's not about me. Man, how can I further the kingdom? Jesus said it this way in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Third key point. God is to be the focus of our life and our exceeding great reward. The priests, they didn't get a piece of land. But God was their inheritance, and he promised to provide for them, and what he provided is so much greater than anything they could ever do for themselves. You know, I I was thinking about all the stuff. So before I gave my life to Christ, before I got saved, uh, I was a single guy in my, well, off and on, whatever. I was in my 20s, and I worked in an IT career, and I had this, you know, if you asked me what my goals in life were, I, I would have told you to make 100 grand by 25. And I was 20 years old and very quickly getting there. I had tripled my salary in the first two years, and then I had doubled it over the next three years, and like, I mean, infinity and beyond was the trajectory uh, financially. And so because of that, Money was limitless to me because it didn't matter if I spent $5,000 this week because I know that, you know, in the next couple of weeks I'll make that back. And so you just put as much as you want on the card because it's never ending well. It'll just keep coming. And so with that mindset, which is a horrible mindset, by the way, but with that mindset, I did everything that my flesh wanted. I bought whatever I wanted. You know, I had cars and guns and trips and fun and food, you know, like just whatever I wanted. That's what I bought. I don't have any of that stuff today. Not a thing. I've been, I've been saved for six years. 
I don't think I have a single thing left from that time. Maybe those brown shoes that I wore to the wedding. I have one thing from that time. <laughs> and they're terrible shoes. Guys, they're so bad. But I say all that to say there is nothing in this world that can satisfy. There's nothing that you can build for yourself. God's provision is so much greater than anything that we could ever ask or think. My wife and I uh, got married with 60-something thousand dollars worth of debt. Uh, and so we lived fairly snugly for a while. You know, I do pretty well at my job, and she had a job, and like that enabled us to, to pay off that debt over the last four and a half years that we've been married. We started when we were engaged, so five and a half years roughly. Um, but man, the little that I had with the Lord is far greater than the everything that I have without him because it's all going to burn. It's all going to fade away. Like, So anyway, where, where does God have you? What is the focus of your life? I love that last verse. This is the one that challenges me the most in Matthew 6. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And as much as I would love to say that uh, all my treasure has been in the Lord, it hasn't been. And I would be embarrassed to tell you how much money I have uh, in tech stuff. But real story, my heart was invested in that when I got it. And some of it I prayed through and some of it I didn't. But man, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so I'd like you to take a minute and think about this treasure is stuff of value. That doesn't mean just finances. Where are you spending your time? If you spend 30 hours a week doing something, like to me the most valuable thing that I have is time. That is the single most valuable resource. Whatever I spend my time on is what I treasure. Whatever you spend your talents on, Whatever you spend your ability, your giftings that God has given you, you are going to value it. So what are you spending your time doing? You know, I'm in a, a WhatsApp group chat where every day people are at the coffee shops. I need to work wherever they work, but whatever. Every day they are at the coffee shops, and they're hanging out with people. Their heart is invested in that. And that's cool. You know, like if that's what God has you doing, praise the Lord. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying... Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Does your heart line up with what God has for you? It's something to consider. You know, when I want my heart to grow in certain areas. I'm like, huh, haven't given to that recently. Maybe I should do that. Maybe we should sacrifice one date night a month and use that money to pour into something. You know, maybe I should sacrifice my sleep and get up at three or four, I had this conversation with someone this week, and uh, they were like, yeah, I just don't have time during the week to read the Bible. No, I just don't have time. I'm, I'm a busy guy. Man, nobody has time to read the Bible. You make time for what you care about. If I told you that there was $100,000 in it for you, if you get it 15 minutes earlier, then you would get up. Or you're financially set and not where I'm at. I don't know, but I would get up. But God says the treasure of his word is so much greater than anything we could get in this life. What are you treasuring? Maybe we do have time for the next couple of verses.
Yep, let's go ahead and do it. Okay. <laughs> I believe through some stuff. You know what? Okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead and stop there. So all of this, you know, the Deuteronomy, talking about the Levitical priesthood, all of this, the Old Testament, is a picture of what is to come. We're not the children of Israel. We weren't promised land. You know, we are not, I'm not a Levite. Uh, maybe somebody here is, but not that I know of. So as far as I know, we're not the Levites. You know, these promises aren't for us. We're in a different dispensation at a different time, but we can learn from their example. And so all of these things that God is teaching us through the Levitical priests, we should be able to learn how to apply to our own life. And that starts with salvation. You see, God chose the tribe of Levi not because they were special, not because they were awesome. There was a failure of the previous priests, just like there's been a failure of us today. Um, but God gave them the opportunity. You know we didn't even cover it because I didn't think we'd have time, but it says the priests, the Levites, in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 18, and all the tribe of Levi. So that means their wives, their children, but it also means those who were disobedient. God commanded everyone to be a priest in that tribe, but you've got to choose to accept it. Just like me, Thermopolis, had to choose. Just like we had to make the decision. God does not desire that any would perish that all would come to repentance. His offer is open. He says, come to me. You know, I want you in my family. Come and join me. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The offer is open, but you have to choose to accept it. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what your purpose in life is, what your place is. If you're just going through the motions, if you're living for yourself, I want you to know today, after we finish, there's going to be some people back here ishly, somewhere back there, uh, that would love to speak with you, that would love to speak to you about the gospel, get to share with you how you can know the Lord as your Savior. Mm, it will change your life. It's definitely changed ours. And that it looked like, you know, God... Deuteronomy, if you want an anchor verse for the whole book, is, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says, He brought them out of the land that He may bring them in. He wanted them to have a relationship with Him. And He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And so if you don't, know that the way that He made it was He sent His Son to come to live a perfect life. He took your sin and mine on that cross. He became our sin he died and was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, proving that he is the Son of God. And he says, all who ask, I'm standing here at the door and knocking. All who ask, I will come into. I will save them. But you've got to ask. The offer is open. And so if you can just go to the last slide. We're going we're gonna to end early today. Um, but I want you to ask yourself this. Do you know what your purpose in life is? You know, intellectually, do you know? What are you here for? This is what drew me to salvation. I started looking for the purpose of life. I'm an IT guy. When you don't know the question or the answer, you Google it. Not helpful. Extremely not helpful in this particular question. But I, it got me started down the road. Do you know what your purpose is? And if you re have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, does the way that you live your life reflect that? 
Are you living as a priest and a king? You know, this is all review of what we talked about. Do you know the field that God has you? There are plenty of places to plug in. AV, Kid Town, hospitality, security. You name it, choir. I have a terrible voice, and Eric was so gracious to allow Tad to mute me while I'm up on stage. Praise the Lord. But God led me to join the choir, even though I have a rough voice. And now, you know, I get to praise the Lord with you guys. And God's done an awesome work in my life. And I'm not saying if you have a horrible voice, sign up for the choir. He'll be gracious with you, and he'll probably say, hey, you should maybe practice for a while. Um, (laughs) But I don't know. But there's a place for everyone here. Do you know your place? And if so, have you bought the field? That really stuck out to me uh, in Mission Focus, the message on the laborer just standing in his bean field. And the enemy came, and he defended that bean field. And the only reason that he did that is because he knew where God had him. So do you. Are you bought in? Or are you like me for the first three years of my life here? Are you just serving and going through the motions, or have you bought a field? And then finally, what are you investing your time, talents, and treasure into? And I hope that you genuinely consider these things. They're so basic. I'm not, I'm sorry, this is what you got. But these are like what God works on my heart, and I, I can't do big concepts, I'm sorry. But these simple things are like what God gets me, and I'm still working through it. So please consider these things. So that's it. Um, I'm going to pray, and then if the worship team could come up, and if those that are going to be in the front, if they could do that. But please, if the Lord has spoken to you about anything today, please don't leave without getting right with the Lord. Please don't leave without speaking with someone. Father, thank you. Uh, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to get in Deuteronomy. Thank you that we get to be, man, royalty, priests and kings before you. Lord, it's such an honor. Uh, And I know there are people here that don't know you yet. Father, would you please have today be the day of salvation? Would you please help all of us to know the places that you have us and to buy in, to own that field? Father, please get the glory from our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.